Welcome to the Mr. Reagan 2020 Presidential Candidate Special. Mr. Reagan. Is this ever gonna be another time for you and me? This is what we have running for president. The Democrats are truly desperate. All right, now before we get started, I have a new sponsor. (laughs) I was planning on making a joke like, you know, sorry, you have to sit through this, but I'm actually excited about these guys. I love this product. They are offering for you to buy a commemorative Donald Trump coin. The way I see it, if my father had bought me a Ronald Reagan coin back in the day, I would have kept that thing forever. And now we have another awesome president and an opportunity to get a cool coin to commemorate him with. So here's the pitch from the company. Donald Trump arrived back from a golf weekend smiling as he walked across the White House lawn. The smile wasn't about the golf though. It has taken 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, 19 lawyers, and 40 FBI agents for Donald Trump to announce that the attempt to tie him to Russian interference in the election campaign has totally failed. It was a complete and total exoneration. So after 22 months of investigations, the president triumphed yet again. There is no case for impeaching him. He just keeps rolling with the punches. Since being elected, he has also overseen the first major tax reform in 30 years, the lowest unemployment rate in 18 years, the lowest jobless claims since 1973, and the highest Dow Jones index level in U.S. history. If you're a fan of the president, like I am, and you want to show your support, you might want to celebrate the news with one of these solid silver or pure gold President Trump Freedom Coins. And you can get one of these coins. Look how awesome that is. And it's got all like his like achievements here for like the first two years. <laughs> okay. You can get one of these coins by going to trumpcoin2020.com and also make sure that you use the code Reagan to save $5 off the silver coin and use the code Reagan Gold to save $100 off the gold coin. I have a link to the website in the description below. All right, now let's break down the 2020 field. Beto O'Rourke. All right, so that cover band clip that I showed you at the beginning, that was Beto O'Rourke singing with his band, The Sheeps. How appropriately named. A bunch of Democrats called The Sheeps, am I right? (laughs) All right, I'm going to play for you his formal presidential campaign announcement. Amy and I are happy to share with you that I'm running to serve you as the next president of the United States of America. We are truly now, more than ever, the last great hope of Earth. Thank you. And then this went viral. Hi, I'm Beto O'Rourke. I'm also running for president of the United States. I care so much. And Beto is constantly trying to establish his street cred. Beto is a joke. I don't think at this point, I don't think anybody really takes his presidential campaign seriously. But Beto's campaign staff is not a joke. They are insanely effective. They're using the Zach Exley slash AOC get out the vote model. But the AOC model seems to work best when people know nothing about the candidate they're voting for, or nothing important anyway. AOC was pitched as Jenny from the Block, a Puerto Rican American who had grown up in the Bronx in New York. But if her constituents knew that she was a spoiled girl who knew nothing about politics and was controlled by a bunch of rich white dudes, they probably wouldn't have voted for her. Actually, they they probably would have. Democrats are just racist enough to still have voted her in anyway, just because of her race. But in the case of Beto, 
I, I think people in Texas now know how nutty and awkward he is, and the American people now know how nutty and awkward he is, and I don't even think that the typical Democrat would vote for him just because he's, he's just so awkward. And I mean, he's a rich, straight, white dude. Why would he even think that he has a chance running as a Democrat in 2020? Rich, straight, white dudes are the sworn enemy of the Democratic Party. You're a white male! And actually, this has been demonstrated by the eclipse of Beto's popularity by Pete Buttigieg. Pete, uh, Buttigieg is essentially the same guy as Beto, but gay. So the left loves him more. It's it's simple leftist math. Beto plus gay equals better, all right? <laughs> I think Beto had a better chance of becoming president when no one really knew who he was. I think the Beto dream has already withered and died, but his campaign staff is good, so in the coming months, he will make some annoying ripples in the sea of 2020 candidates. Beto's net worth is $9 million. Pete Buttigieg. First things first, are we all just pretending that this gay dude doesn't have the word but in his name? I mean, I know this is childish, it's, it's silly and it's immature, but this is the kind of thing that children giggle at. It's like the emperor's new clothes, except that instead of being a naked emperor, it's a gay dude with butt in his name. And like, nobody wants to say anything because they don't want to be called out as the a-hole that, that pointed it out, but like, we cannot have a president with the word butt in his name, certainly not a gay one. People don't want to say anything because he's gay, I think, but leftists aren't above calling Richard Nixon dick all the time. Okay, look at his name. How do you get Buttigieg out of that? Joe Dirte. Don't try and church it up, son. Don't you mean Joe Dirt? You really want us to accept that as the pronunciation? Gays demand a lot from the general public. We have to accept your lifestyle as normal. We have to accept that you're born that way and you just didn't choose to be gay, that homosexuality is not some kind of sexual perversion. We're required to accept that you deserve special protected legal status as a minority. We have to make laws to facilitate the whims of the LGBT community. And look, I'm not inclined to accept any of that, but I'll accept all of it before I accept that this name is pronounced Buttigieg. Buttigieg? 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 Buttgage? Buttgage. We should totally call him Buttgage. Not, not as like a trolling thing or whatever, but just because we cannot have a president with that name. It's ridiculous. We'll be the laughing stock of the world. How is he a politician with that name? How did... How did he never change it? Changing his name should be very easy for him. He's a mayor. Just call the name change clerk at your office and have her take care of it. Be like, change my name to the least gay thing imaginable. <laughs> something something to do with like blue collar everyday guy stuff. Pete Manhole. No, no, okay, wait, I don't know. Something related to sports maybe, like Pete Tight End. Okay, this is not what I meant to. Maybe it's something to do with farming, right? Pete Backhoe. This is not working. He plays the piano, right? Pete, pianist. All right, well, that's it then. Pete, pianist. It's relevant to his vast array of talents, and it's totally not gay. In all seriousness, Buttigieg, as BS as that pronunciation sounds, is apparently a Maltese name from the island country of Malta. Malta has a fascinating ancient history, um, and it's mentioned in the Bible, and people have lived there thousands of years before the birth of Christ. I would actually love to visit. Apparently, Buttigieg is one of the most common names in Malta, and it means keeper of chickens. Pete Buttigieg is, at the moment, the darling of the left. So hot right now. Why? I have a theory. He's got a great voice. And my hope is that same decency can be summoned from our communities in red states and blue states to change what's happening 
in the politics of our country before it's too late. Pete Buttigieg looks like a 12-year-old boy, but he's got the voice of a 50-year-old radio announcer. It's a strange contrast. Just like you're not free if you're unable to start a new business because leaving your old job means losing your health care. Actually, he kind of looks like a ventriloquist dummy. But Pete Buttigieg's primary focus seems to be his gayness. He parades it around like some kind of great banner, proving his divine right to run for president as a Democrat. Buttigieg claims some level of victimhood with his gayness, which is so disingenuous it's disgusting. The guy is epically privileged, but the way he talks, you'd think that Mike Pence and his band of rogue evangelicals personally murdered his entire family. But we'll, we'll get into the Mike Pence thing later. I really hate that you need some kind of oppression credentials these days if you want to be considered a viable Democratic candidate for anything. Republicans care about principles and values. Democrats get excited if you're a woman or gay. It's ridiculous. Being gay, for Pete Buttigieg, was like finding the golden ticket. If Pete Buttigieg wasn't gay, no one would be talking about him. Being gay now has political capital. It's a bizarre thing. Buttigieg also considers himself a Christian, which I think the left just loves because of the presumed contradiction. I've met a lot of gay Christians as I live in Los Angeles, and we've had Milo Yiannopoulos for years on the right, so it's not really as shocking to conservative sensibilities as I think the left would like it to be. But I am a bit skeptical about the sincerity of Buttigieg's faith. I'm not skeptical of it because of the homosexuality. I'm skeptical of it because of the Marxism. Traditionally, Marxism is not particularly tolerant of religion generally and Christianity specifically. In all fairness, most of the noise around Buttigieg's homosexuality is the fault of other leftists. Buttigieg himself, although annoyingly moralistic about his sexuality, doesn't bring it up as often as his supporters in the media do. That said, every time he does say something, it's amplified a gazillion times by the megaphone that is the leftist mainstream media, and obviously he's aware of that. But what's really messed up about this isn't that he's leveraging his sexual orientation for political gain. What The one thing that I find really disturbing is that he's using his sexual orientation to bully other people. He's jumped on this leftist trend of trying to impose his set of ethics on everyone and condemning anyone who disagrees with him as immoral. They're immoral, right? If you do not accept Pete Buttigieg's personal set of ethics, you are a bad person. This has expressed itself most prominently in his criticism of Mike Pence. His initial comments on the subject suggest that Mike Pence is a bad person for signing into law Indiana Senate Bill 101, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. When we had this huge and, and, and painful controversy in 2015, when Mike Pence divided our state with this so-called Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was really a license to discriminate, provided you remember to mention your religion as an excuse for discriminating. That's what that was. This was a hugely controversial bill in 2015 when it was signed, and it fixed Mike Pence as the sworn enemy of the LGBT community forever after. The bill addressed the gay wedding cake issue. Basically, uh, gay people want to be able to force Christians to bake them wedding cakes. They framed it like, we demand the same rights as everybody else, but actually they're demanding control over others for their services, which is in complete conflict with the principles of liberty and freedom. Personally, I think every business should be able to deny service to anyone for whatever reason they want. I think black people should be able to deny service to whites, Jews should be, be able to deny service to Christians, etc., etc., etc. And the reason that I think this 
is, is twofold. Firstly, how are we going to know which businesses are bigoted unless we allow them to be bigoted legally? Secondly, if we force everyone to serve anyone, then we put the force of law behind trolls. Okay, so let's say that we get a group together, and maybe, maybe somebody should do this as a kind of protest. Let's say we get a group together who is willing to pool their funds together and force a particularly sensitive gay baker to bake and decorate a hundred cakes that say gays burn in hell or whatever. It could be a variety of annoying things. Why should this poor gay baker be forced to do that? He, he shouldn't. He should have the right to refuse. Should a Muslim baker be forced to decorate a cake with a drawing of Muhammad on it? Uh, drawing Muhammad is a sin in Islam, and it's taken extremely seriously by Muslims. Christians have been killed for this in Europe. Should a Jewish baker be forced to decorate cakes with swastikas on them? Should a black baker be forced to decorate some kind of KKK cake? I could go on, but you get the idea. Forcing all businessmen to indulge the whims of every potential customer, this strips the American people of liberty in a huge and significant way. I mean, the whole thing sounds silly, really. I mean, it's such a trivial thing, baking cakes. But the fundamental rights undergirding this issue are of enormous importance. So Mike Pence signed a bill that said the government can't force people to violate their faith. Okay, maybe some gay people won't like that because it means they can't force Christians to bake them cakes for their weddings. But we're talking about fundamental liberties here. So presumably they'd say, fine, okay, we get it. But that's not what happened. This was characterized by the LGBT folks and the leftists in the media as government-sanctioned bigotry, institutionalized homophobia affirmed and signed into law by the great Christian devil Mike Pence. An insidious defamation campaign was launched against Mike Pence and the state of Indiana, and this campaign was so successful that many businesses boycotted the state. I mean, it was, the whole thing was ridiculous. So Mike Pence has been the arch nemesis of many LGBT activists ever since. We have a media that's saying it's a debate whether or not what just happened to Jesse Smollett is a hate crime. Fired it feels up. impossible to you not feel to, this way right now with yeah. the president and the vice president, Mike Pence, who like wishes I couldn't be married. Let's just be clear. The vice president of America wishes I didn't have the love with my wife. He wanted to ban that in Indiana. He believes in conversion therapy. He has hurt LGBTQ people so badly as the government of Indiana. Connect the dots. If you are in a position of power and you hate people and you want to cause suffering to them, you go through the trouble. You spend your career trying to cause suffering. What do you think is going to happen? Kids are going to be abused and they're going to kill themselves and people are going to be beaten on the street. The hateful effort against Pence continues to this day. It's relentless. They dig up whatever they can as ammunition. Much of the venom currently being spawned toward Mike Pence has been intended by a rumor that Mike Pence supports gay conversion therapy. He wanted to ban that in Indiana. He believes in conversion therapy. Firstly, I couldn't find evidence anywhere to support this. Apparently, on Mike Pence's congressional campaign website from 2000, there was a line regarding HIV-AIDS that stated, quote, resources should be directed toward those institutions which provide assistance to those seeking to change their sexual behavior, end quote. Hordes of LGBT publications cite this as evidence that Mike Pence supports the dreaded conversion therapy. But there are a few problems with this interpretation of the 2000 campaign website statement. First of all, the statement refers 
refers to changing one's sexual behavior, not orientation. This is one of those, yeah, but you really mean things. You really, you really mean what I want you to mean because I don't like you and I want to believe that you're evil. There's lots of types of sexual behavior that people seek professional treatment for. What if somebody likes child pornography and they want to go to a psychiatrist to fix this problem? But no, this couldn't mean that. It couldn't possibly mean sexual addiction or pornography addiction. It couldn't, couldn't be a myriad of other perversions that lots of people around the world want to change about themselves. It must specifically refer to homosexuality. This is like when Trump says that he wants a border wall to keep out criminals and leftists say, but you really mean Mexicans because you're a racist. This is a common tactic of the left to assume the worst about a conservative and then to distort their words in a way that conforms to this worst possible assumption. Another reason why this scathing criticism of Pence makes zero sense is that this change their sexual behavior statement came from a list of policy positions that Mike Pence didn't even write and probably never actually saw. According to the far left newspaper, The Washington Post, the statement, quote, appears to be copied and pasted from a list of conservative talking points, presumably by staff members of his, Pence's, campaign. It's his website, but not his words. And that's from the Washington Post. I'd like to add this. Conversion therapy isn't the horrifying evil that it's portrayed to be by the LGBT crowd and by Hollywood. Conversion therapy is a set of dangerous and totally discredited practices that attempt to change the sexual orientation or gender identity of a person. What it actually does is it supports an industry that is profiting off of the harm and sometimes death of, of kids. afraid of. Sister Woodhouse is going to help you. Yeah, she's going to rid you of all those naughty demons. The ones making you think such awful, unnatural thoughts. Tomorrow, the real work, the conversion begins. That last clip was from the show Riverdale. Hollywood can't seem to produce anything without including a generous portion of leftist propaganda these days. The left doesn't just characterize conversion therapy as ineffective or harmful, but deadly. Death of, of kids. Death. Death. But what if it isn't? What if some clinical psychologist developed a treatment that was 100% effective with zero negative side effects? What if it improved the lives of literally every homosexual treated? The problem is that if this happened, it would contradict the narrative that homosexual is 100% immutable. That is, that every gay person is born that way. Well, we know that that isn't true. I mean, come on, it's not just not true, it's an absurd idea. But in 2019, we are expected to either accept this absurdity as fact or just ignore the fact that it's obviously ridiculous and just go along with it, just pretend that we believe it. There are lots of atypical sexual behaviors. Are we to believe that every sexual proclivity of every person is always an inborn characteristic and not a choice. Lonely farmers out in the middle of nowhere are, what, attracted to sheep at birth? I mean, it's just stupid. In 1979, while serving time in prison for murder, Wilbert Rudeau wrote a series of articles called The Sexual Jungle, which revealed that men in prison rape other men as a kind of primal expression of power. Now, this is a choice that these men make. This is not some inborn sexual preference expressing itself. These guys would prefer to be with women, but there are no women in men's prisons, so they go after the smallest, youngest guys. This is a choice. 
And this is 100% accepted psychology among those who research this kind of thing as far as I know. You can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong about that. So if some homosexuality is a choice, is all homosexuality a choice? That's the real question, and it's a difficult one to answer. We hear from gay men all the time on the news, in Hollywood TV shows and films, that this is innate, inborn, immutable. But this is an easy lie to tell, so we can never really know. I, I mean, I have good friends who, who are gay, and I don't dispute their belief that they were born gay. I mean, I may question it personally, but I don't make a habit of arguing with them about it. And I think that's, that's the position that society has taken generally. It's just not worth it. It's easier just to nod and go along with it, even if we're skeptical. But honestly, I think the gay community overplayed their hand. Sure, contemporary first world cultures aren't going to dispute your personal claim of innate homosexuality. But don't ask us to accept this as a universal truth. The broader assumption is just ridiculous, and many of us can't play along. We can't defy reason on that large of a scale. You've gone from asking us to indulge you personally to asking us to betray our own reason. Most of us will indulge you personally out of a sense of courtesy, but we're not going to just wholly abandon rationality in order to support LGBT political goals. Many people will though. Many people do, but I will not. And there are many other people like me who will not. So if some homosexual behavior is a choice, might not some homosexual behavior be the product of environmental influences and, and thus changeable? Might it not be an expression of a psychological disorder? Of course it might be. And so an effective conversion therapy would be extremely valuable, just like any effective medical treatment. To suggest that any conversion therapy is always harmful is just as absurd as assuming all homosexuality is innate. And I think the LGBT community can get away with the one ridiculous claim because much of our society indulges the other ridiculous claim. But some formerly homosexual men strongly advocate the positive benefits of an effective conversion therapy method. You do want them to change, don't you, in the way that you yourself believe you have changed, having had homosexual experiences in the past. We're aiming to support people who want to voluntarily move away from behaviours and feelings, if that's possible. We want to give them the option and preserve their rights and freedoms to do that. You are simply gay as a goose and you just can't admit it. I was involved in homosexuality for about eight years. It was a, a pretty long and dark uh, six to eight years of my life. At age 10, I was at the next door neighbor's house and they had a visitor from out of town. Followed me into the garage, hovered over the top of me and began molesting me. My abuser began speaking into my ear how much that I wanted this to happen to me because I was not wearing a shirt and I was just uh, running around with uh, jean cut off shorts and flip flops. His words sunk deep into my soul. I actually believed it and didn't tell anyone. And as I entered into puberty, I had uh, bullies. You sissy, queer, faggot. And then they followed me home and they beat me. They began punching me in the face, speaking over me. You sissy, you queer, you faggot. Went home with two black eyes. As my budding, um, evolving sexuality came into place, I concluded that I somehow had to enter into the labels that were being already placed on me. It was like, well, everybody else sees this about me. It must be true. Look, all the gay folks might be right. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe all gays are totally born that way. Maybe conversion therapy is all harmful all the time, and I've got this all wrong. But you've got to convince us. You can't just demand that we agree with you and claim that we're evil if we don't. And that is exactly what Buttigieg is doing. 
He's insisting that he is the arbiter of morality and that Pence must adopt the LGBT set of ethics or else Pence is an evil sinner and he's unfit for political office and must be stripped of his position and any and all respect that he enjoys from the general public. Now, we've seen this before, historically. It's a kind of moral sanctimoniousness that has always been reviled by most normal people. Typically, it was a disposition adopted by deeply religious, righteously indignant old ladies. This character was brilliantly illustrated in the 1990s by Dana Carvey with his church lady character. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> And although sometimes this kind of extremely judgmental attitude can be justified, pretty much everyone thinks it's super annoying. These days, the moral sanctimony is no longer coming from the religious right. It's coming from the left, Black Lives Matter, feminism, and the LGBT activists. It's just so binary. It disproportionately affects people of color. It's really serious. The world as we know it, that's it. That's it. I have traveled the world and I have met the most marginalized people you could meet. This needs to stop. This is the new church lady, and she's even more annoying than the religious old shrews ever were. Ellen Page and Pete Buttigieg have determined that they are now the arbiters of morality in the 21st century, and it's their right, no, their duty, to cram their morality down our throats. The LGBT community is the new religious right. If we don't accept their ideas about morality, we are bad people. We're not allowed to go to plays or restaurants. We're not allowed to show ourselves in public. Well, the truth is that this is rubbish. We have the right to practice our faith in America, and we have the right to stand firm on a set of ethics that we've accepted. For many, many Christians, this means regarding homosexuality as a sin. And if you want every American to betray their faith simply because an actress in Hollywood scolded them, I'm sorry, it's just never going to happen. Millions of people in this world, hundreds of millions, not just Christians, but members of almost every faith on earth, regard homosexuality as a sin. You can probably convince some of them that they're wrong, but you're not going to convince all of them. And you know what? Condemning them for this belief, trying to turn people against them, trying to get them fired from their job, these are far, far worse things than simply disagreeing with a lifestyle. Franklin Graham, the son of legendary minister Billy Graham, recently commented on Buttigieg by tweeting, Mayor Buttigieg says he's a gay Christian. As a Christian, I believe the Bible, which defines homosexuality as a sin, something to be repentant of, not something to be flaunted, praised, or politicized. The Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman, not two men, not two women. And I love that. I love that he tweeted that. I actually subscribed to his Twitter account after reading that because, you know, even if you disagree with him, even if you think that such an ethical position is wrong, you've got to admit that is a brave thing to say in 2019. You know you're going to get attacked for that. And we need more people today, especially Christians, standing firm behind their principles, clearly and unapologetically stating their views publicly. Too many people are afraid to say what they think about the issues, and I think Franklin Graham set a great example here, and I applaud him for it. Of course, as one might expect, Reverend Graham was attacked for this in the media viciously. Here are the fine folks at MSNBC. One of the country's we most well-known evangelical Christians, Franklin Graham, has called for presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg to repent for being oh, gay. Shut oh, up. my God. Just the son shut up, of Franklin legendary Graham. preacher. You are a disgrace. Billy Graham. You are a disgrace. Now, suddenly... Franklin Graham's talking about 
lifestyles and and sinning and a guy who who has gone through a very difficult personal journey to figure out who he really is it's not a lifestyle choice and if anybody that's heard pete Buttigieg talk knows that if you didn't think joe scarborough was trash before seeing this clip you probably will now <laughs> of all the candidates Buttigieg is my absolute least favorite it, i really find the guy insufferable but there is something else about him that, that people should know, something particularly nefarious. Under his cherub-like features and the reassuring gravitas of his baritone voice, there is the heart and mind of a Marxist. Buttigieg's father was a strong advocate of Marxism. He was a preeminent scholar of Marxism, and he, he taught at Notre Dame, or Notre Dame. Most of the policy stuff I've heard coming from Buttigieg has been vague and generic, and there's, there's nothing in his policy prescriptions that makes him stand out. And for Democrats, that's fine. It's, it's more important to them that he's gay. But I think the fact that his policies are vague and generic is highly deceptive. If his father's political ideas are any indication, Pete Buttigieg is dangerously radical left. Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris are all bad, but at least they're honest about their radical ideas. Buttigieg is a radical masquerading as a moderate. If we vote for Bernie, we're goose-stepping down the road to Venezuela with our eyes wide open. If we vote in Buttigieg, we're inviting in a Marxist ventriloquist dummy Trojan horse. Pete Buttigieg has a net worth of $250,000. You know what? I'm going to stop it. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for watching. If you like this video, hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, your name is probably Seth Moulton or Wayne Messam. Sorry, guys. It was a long list. And to be honest, I got lazy toward the end. Good night. I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Now, 